0: Hello, and welcome to the Bridges Between Us podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schenker, and today we're talking with Dr. Elaine Kizaya about soulful time management. Elaine is a friend who I've learned from for years now. She teaches, writes, and coaches on soulful approaches to time and life management, and about how to use journaling as a tool for transformation and spiritual deepening. Elaine is an award-winning trainer and has over 20 years of experience in facilitation and leadership coaching. She's a licensed psychologist, a musician, and the founder of Joybook, an online community and learning space with the motto, life is beautiful. Don't miss it. live welcome to the bridges between us podcast i wonder if you could start by explaining to me and to everybody how would you describe what you do as your job and what you do for for work these days <laughs> um
1: that is not the world's easiest question i um sometimes struggle to to do that in fact like my, when my husband tries to tell people what i do like he just He's like, I don't know. You'll have to ask her. He heals people. (laughs) (laughs) People run up to me on the street and say, she changed my life. But, but like beyond that, he doesn't know. Um, I, I mean, like, um, so I, at this point, talk about myself as, um, as a life coach and a journaling facilitator, um, and I um, I help people use journaling and other soulful approaches, soulful techniques, um, in order to connect more deeply with themselves and um, and to make the most of their beautiful, precious lives. Um, so I um, one of the one of the ways that i describe one of the things i focus on is the phrase soulful time management mm. um you know for a number of years i i um taught uh like personal productivity and time management things like that um and i could get s- like super geeky about that topic <laughs> <laughs> um but you know, I'm a psychologist. I'm also a person who's, who's, um, done, uh, journaling and, you know, some mindfulness practices for many years. And like, the more I taught that topic, the more I realized that, um, that it's actually a really profound topic.
0: Time management, you mean?
1: Yeah. I mean, like this question of, like, I only get so much time how do I want to spend that? Um, and and how like and how can I do that in a way that um, that makes me feel like I'm not missing my life as it you know flies by?
0: You know, this is this is immediately connected to how you and I uh, got to know each other. yes, <laughs> which is. I started going to, what's now the inner work center in Richmond, uh-huh. started yeah. going to Monday night meditations at a time where I was, I was fresh out of grad school from counseling and I was really approaching my spirituality very rigidly. And the way that I see a lot of people I've worked with do so, which is I was feeling like I needed to meditate for X amount of time and I needed to make sure I did it for a certain amount of days in a row. And if I wasn't, then I wasn't like being good enough. Uh, and so I really was looking for help to be more disciplined is what I would say. And I was like, you know, I, was, I need, I need to be more disciplined because I know that like when I meditate and I journal, like I feel better. So I need help being more disciplined. So I need other people to like hold me accountable. And through our time together with the the group that we had, which was just beautiful. I mean, it was people showed up. We, it was called spiritual paths and we had, I don't know, was it like 20, 25 people Something about, and we explored all sorts of concepts and practices and conversations and experiences, really exploring this concept of spirituality and doing so in this really trusting, deep container. And through that experience, what I learned was like, man, I kept saying that I wanted to give myself more structure, discipline, and really what I needed was like more allowing because I was being so harsh with myself, I was judging myself so harshly and shaming myself so often that it like was adding pressure to these experiences. Like it was like you have to do this in this way, and because of that, like I then would like end up avoiding it. So like by pressuring myself to need to have more discipline and more structure, I was actually making it more difficult for me to have <laughs> discipline and structure. <laughs> and so it's this—it right. really is this very deep topic when you mention like time management, we often think of it like so simply like, oh man, like if I could just get better at managing my time, ultimately the things that get in the way of us spending our time, the way that we believe that we want to and should, there are deeper explanations other than just like our aloofness or distractibility. Those are like responses to emotions within us. Those are patterns that have served some sort of purpose. And so in order for us to really revolutionize and transform our habits and routines, it's not just about creating a fancy spreadsheet, it's about doing some deep inner work.
1: Yes, yes. Um, like most fundamentally, um, like if we, if we really want to um, feel good about how we are spending our time, like, it really starts with a, a connection with ourselves, um, you know, some deep listening to to ourselves and attention to ourselves. And if we're um, in a, you know, in a holistic way, like not just, okay, what are my priorities? Let me get clear on my priorities in this very like head only sort of way. Um, like that's not what I mean by listening to yourself. What I mean is, a, is a more, um, soulful, like, um, like c- connecting with my, my heart, my body, my soul, um, s- slowing down, stilling and, um, like a- allowing the, the, the mud to settle in the water to use a, a a common image from um from meditation you know that um like m- muddy water let let stand becomes clear like you know yeah. s- sitting slowing down um noticing how how we're feeling about things and then being able to tap into some some inner wisdom about okay what what really matters here um, and I think a lot of times um, you know, so many of us feel kind of um, like backed into a corner, um, like uh, with with all with this huge long list of have to's or shoulds or artificial timelines around things. Um, and so much of that is self-imposed <laughs> um and and sometimes we're...
0: that's hard to see it yes, like, so when, yeah, I know at least for, in my life and with clients I've worked with that when it really feels like it's like you're boxed in it it can feel like that it's pressure coming from everyone else mm-hmm.
1: um,
0: and so if somebody come like h- how do like, how do you help somebody see that? like how do you help somebody see that sometimes? they're imposing barriers and pressures on themselves. Um, How do I help with that? (laughs) Um,
1: I, you know, I think it's um, like, just asking that question of where, where did this expectation come from? Like who, who really is, is asking for this, um, or who really is expecting this of you?
0: Um, like my my belief, like how how I'm shooting myself. my, belief yes. about What I should be doing. Yeah. Um, and the story I'm yeah. telling myself that I should be doing that because that person thinks I should, and that person thinks I should. But like, if we really sat down and wrote down all of our shoulds, like yeah. Anything that you feel like you should be doing right now, or right? Be doing yeah. this week, yeah. And then we ask like. <laughs> what voice is that?
1: <laughs> like, who is that? Yes, <laughs> yeah, and, and first off, who says? Like, those are probably assumptions that you're making. Um, who, who says that other people expect that of you? But also, like, who cares? <laughs> um, and, you know, like, so, I mean, like, ultimately, these things are our choice. Um, like, we get, we get to choose um we also have to live with the consequences of our choices um but we get to choose like you know I'll hear people saying all the time I have to do this I have to do that um no you don't have to you choose to because you know like you you're preferring the way it will play out if you you know like follow through on these work commitments that you made
0: <laughs> but Elaine, yeah, but, but, um, um, it's scary
1: yeah, absolutely
0: like I absolutely think, I think all the time uh, a line i'll I'll often use is that it's simply not true when we say the sentence, "Oh i w- I don't have time to practice mindfulness right it's, yeah. it's simply not yeah. true, um, yeah. because you could practice mindfulness doing anything um, it's what it means is You are prioritizing thinking about other things over connecting with your life Um, that you are valuing often uh, keeping your worries or your judgments right in the center of your mind and needing to replay them over and over again. Or you're valuing preparing for that meeting that you have at work in an hour over uh, Mm -hmm. actually connecting with where you are in the moment. And that's okay if if that's what is important to you. But the fact is we have to acknowledge that it's a, it's about our priorities. And
1: underneath yes, there is. usually
0: is like a fear. <laughs> like there's a fear underneath there that like, well, like yeah, I need but- to keep these things in my mind because if I if I don't keep them right in front, then like I don't have any control over
1: them. Right, yeah, there's, there's an anxiety be, behind it. I, you know, I would argue that a lot of the times, though, choices like that aren't really conscious choices. Like, you know, we just get so keyed up in this in this state of anxiety. Or, like, I did some. I like I fall victim to this too. You know, and um, I was doing some journaling about this recently and sort of personifying that anxiety. Um, and uh, so I think of it as the urgency monster that's that's chasing me. <laughs> And and when you get in that state, when you're like fleeing the urgency monster, um, you know it's it's not like it's this conscious choice. Hmm, should I stop now and practice mindfulness, or should I keep, um, you know, like running from the urgency monster? It's just this this reflexive um, thing we do, and so you know, like it, it comes back to. Um like we we need some moment of um like stopping and cutting through that um, and you know, like conversations like this or being in a community like the spiritual paths community, um you know, like in a in a way, what you were describing like that was some some accountability that was offered to you to to show up and be there um for yourself, it just um, you know, what it was inviting you to do was not what you thought the invitation was going to right, be.
0: Right. Um It wasn't but, a check in, like, all right, so did you meditate for 10 minutes this morning? Did you hit, did you do it every morning? Report back to us. You better have. Otherwise, you're not getting any <laughs> approval here. Instead, it was accountable of like
1: <laughs>
0: I there were commitments that we made in that space that I wanted to meet, um, but it didn't feel like a like a pressure that there was like a fear of judgment like a underneath. yeah like like a to-do um, um, yeah. and instead there was this incredible offering that you know I've also found an you know amazing friendship since then um yeah. in other relationships yeah. that it's like this this permission yeah just like allowing all of who you are to show up and then to see yeah. that you're not being judged and how that can then just be so relieving and can relieve such a huge burden, and can really help us like regulate our nervous system to kind of step out of that chasing the urgency, and instead mm-hmm. just settling in.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. And um, the way that you
0: often help people with that is by helping them really deepen their relationship with journaling. So I wonder if you could talk a little bit about that. That like um, I know a lot of clients I work with they say you know. Uh, I mean, I've journaled some, but like, you know, I'm never consistent with it. So like in order for journaling to be transformative, does somebody have to do it every single day consistently?
1: Um, No, absolutely not. Um, I I do want to I do want to come back, though, and finish finish that last thought that was uh, like connected to what you're saying about um, community, which is so as as you know um i I operate an online uh like membership community that's about using journaling largely about using journaling as a tool to help us connect with ourselves, navigate our lives um and one of the things that you know we like we talked about like stopping that spiral of 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 urgency so we can make more conscious choices about um, how we're spending our time or um, or this the assumptions we're making or just you know stopping and listening to ourselves so we can make wise choices going forward um, you know like a, a lot of the people in that community, like for that, and, you know, this, this holds true for any kind of supportive community. Um, but, but it's, it like, is this time carved out in their calendar at a specific time where like, I'm going to show up, um, and someone else is going to like, hold me accountable, accountable for being present to myself and, you know, stopping the spiral, sitting still and and getting some perspective and, and clarity and um, like deepening that channel of connection with myself. Um, so what was the, the question about journaling? Do you have to do it every day? 100% no. <laughs> um, so there are, there are a lot of mis- perce- misconceptions out there about journaling. Yeah. Um, my own journey with journaling has been, um for a long time was really sporadic.
0: Um, I can relate to that. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: and actually what uh what um got me to go deeper with it was um the the inner work center and a, at the time they were called the chrysalis institute but they they were doing a, a series um, on different spiritual practices. And someone came to me and said, Elaine, will you do, a, um, a session on music as a spiritual practice? Cause I'm a musician. Yeah. Um, and I, and I was like, uh, no, <laughs> because music is not a spiritual practice for me. Like it's enjoyable. I, I love it, but it, for me, it is not a spiritual practice. Journaling is really my, my spiritual practice. And, um, I guess at that, at that point I was, I was journaling pretty regularly. I actually had a, um, a friend who was sort of a journaling partner for me. We would meet a couple of mornings a week in a coffee shop before work, journal together, talk, talk about what came up for us. Um, and so I, like, I was starting to really understand how much more potential there was to journaling than I had for many years um assumed um or how many more sides to it there there are. Um, So anyway, when when I said no, journaling is my spiritual practice, they said, well do something on that. So (laughs) so I did a um with my my journaling partner friend did a like a just a you know one night hour and a half session on journaling as a spiritual practice. and, like, oh my God, was just hooked on the experience of writing in community, um you know, like not just with one other person, but with a whole group. And um, it, like n- so there's there's um, in okay, reset. So I <laughs> I loved that experience so much that I that I started doing a regular, leading a regular journaling group for for Chrysalis. And yeah. my experience both that first night and as I continued to to lead this group is that um, the journaling is rich, hundred percent. But the experience that makes that so magical is not just the journaling that I'm doing for myself and that others are doing for themselves, but it's also the um, the opportunity to have some conversation about that afterward, and um, like see myself in a way reflected in in other people's experiences and vice versa, or or understand myself better. Um, because I can see how my experience differs from someone else's. And yet usually there's some common human thread there anyway. But just that, um, you know, the insights that come from the writing get just multiplied by the opportunity to hear what other people are exploring and experiencing too. And there's one other sort of hard to name element there but it's there that's just sort of the um like the energy of writing in the presence of other people the energy of connecting with yourself in that soulful way um while feeling supported or accompanied by other people um and you probably have some of the like science-based language about why (laughs) is that (laughs) Well, it's, I it's don't. I just, just know it's there me. and it's magic. <laughs>
0: yeah. And, and the thing, like that right there, like that observation is what led me to find the science because it, it seems like a narrative that's so missing within our society that really nobody develops into their full potential. Nobody really builds a really fulfilling life alone. Um, mm-hmm. And yet so many of us have these narratives that we have to work through in our adulthood mm-hmm. about feeling like in order to be doing things right we need to really be doing it alone yeah. and instead it's like these two aspects don't exist separately but they actually feed each other it's actually the exact opposite relationship yeah. that we often frame them as that being yeah. in community yeah. and exploring ourselves are not separate that In fact, they require each other, that I can't really feel belonging if I haven't connected with myself. The depth to which I can connect with others is dictated by the depth to which I can connect with myself. So even if I'm around other people, if I haven't done the work to really explore deep within myself, I I can still feel lonely. I can still feel disconnected from them.
1: Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, Mm
0: -hmm. once I actually have begun exploring who I am, like that self-exploration, deepens my ability to connect with others. And being in the presence of someone who I trust can help me do that. That it doesn't have like to be starting yourself. with one yes. or the other. Like I can start yes. on my own and connecting with myself or just being in the presence of people yeah. who maybe I might trust can help yeah. regulate my nervous system, help deepen my belief of my worthiness, help yeah. me through that exploration that these forces like feed one another.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: This podcast is brought to you by Pathly. Life is ever evolving. So we too are constantly transforming. And yet, despite the incredible technological innovations of our modern world, it is harder than ever to make meaningful, sustainable changes in our life. We make changes most effectively when we are connected and supported. And when we have structures that help us connect with our feelings and take actions toward what matters to us. You can live a more authentic and fulfilling life and you deserve support to help you do that. Pathly is a community that is dedicated to being your space to slow down, reflect and make decisions that help you live your fullest life. Being part of this community helps me up level my life every day. You can learn more today by visiting www.findpathly.com or become a member by emailing hello at findpathly.com.
1: So, but here's what I was going to say about that that journaling group. Please, um, please, is um, uh, yeah. I got sort of seduced by just the magic of it. Uh, me but, too. But, you me. But, you. <laughs> but, but where I was going with it is um, so my that that person that I was um, who was my my morning journaling partner for a while. Like her work situation changed. She needed to drop away. Um, you know, my, my life was, um, in a little bit of turmoil. I was experiencing some health, some health problems, some parental health problems, things like that. Um, and so for a while, um, there, there was a little while there that I was journaling once a month. And it was when I did that, that, um, that journaling with the group. Can I ask you about that? Um,
0: sure. I I know for me. In moments when like I'm experiencing a lot of difficulty, I can have a tendency to sometimes avoid my spiritual practices, like my practices of connecting with myself. Yeah. often like would be like the times when I need the most, but it really can be like Absolutely. I'm scared scared to look under the bed, you know, like I I know there's so much pain there and so I put it off. Yeah. So I'm curious like for you, dealing with that much difficulty at that time and all of those transitions at once, like- was there some of that going into like not journaling as often or was it just like busyness and getting caught up in things?
1: Um, I know, I think, I think it was some of both. Um, I think it was, it was, it was busyness and being chased by the, the, the urgency monster. Um, but it was, it, yeah, it was also a little bit like, this is, this is hard. Um, there's, there's some stuff here that, um, That I'm not ready to face on my own, and yet, um, so what I was going to say is, journaling once a month with that group, it still worked on me, Um, and and I and I still had some profound experiences, and you know, like connecting with what you were just saying. There was something about the like the structure and the accountability of um, of doing it in the group setting that almost made it safer for me to, um, like it, it created a container. Um, uh, there, um, there's a, a a woman who does a lot of teaching about um, using journaling in therapeutic settings. Um, uh, shoot what is her name um i just think of her as k
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: um i'll think of it later actually let me turn around because it's probably
0: right on my shelf um, probably those beautifully organized books behind it uh
1: Kath- kathleen adams but she goes by k um kathleen adams um and uh one of the things that that she noticed in using journaling in therapeutic settings is that um that people like especially people who were dealing, dealing with trauma and things like that like that journaling could sometimes be counterproductive like they could get just overwhelmed mm-hmm. um you know going deep with the feelings and so she developed this this framework she calls it the journaling ladder that um is about um kind of meeting yourself where you are and providing the right amount of structure and containment that's
0: mm-hmm. going to be a
1: fit for for what you need and to, so to go um you know if you're ready for it to go really deep but if you're not to go like just deep enough that it's safe and it and it offers you, um, what you need, whether that's validation, whether that's a little bit of insight, um, you know, um, but, uh, so, so I think for me during that rocky time of, of my life, the, those, um, sessions that I did with the, um, the journaling group, and it's similar to what what we do with the the, um, like focus journaling that we do in Joybook too. Um, But it's very structured. It's like, here's a a little bit of a teaching or a little bit of a um, kind of centering or meditation or something to help kind of enter into whatever the topic is that we're writing about. And then we're gonna do two writes. And um, one is 10 minutes. Uh, kind of a warm up with the topic and then one is 20 minutes and you know like here's some very focused prompts for you go in other directions if you want to but here's some structure um, and I've
0: I've gone through that structure with you and usually almost every single time afterwards I go wow I was not expecting that to come <laughs> what is did I usually there's like one or two lines where I'm like wow I wrote that that's beautiful And there's another like couple lines where I'm like Whoa! I did not even know that existed. Like, wow! I just yeah. discovered some aspect of myself that was really in there.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, so, but it, but it, it is. You know, like sometimes people sit down to to journal and they're like, okay, write.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, you know, this is the, the time I carved out helpful. to journal.
1: Sit down right. Um, and you know, like I'm supposed to do it for a long time and, uh, you know, um, and like just these idea, this idea that, okay, I show up, I, you know, write for an hour and come up with something profound, but you know, it can be a lot more contained, a lot more structured. Um, after, after that time of my life, I actually experienced another time with, um, like uh in the in the lead up to my dad's death that was another time full of um uh difficult emotions and but i was in a different place and and i would say a more sophisticated user of journaling as a tool too mm. um and it was my lifeline uh during that experience you know it was it was what grounded me and allowed me to um stay connected to myself and and keep a pr- perspective on my life amidst you know like all of these stressful things running back and forth between hospitals and arranging home care and you know it was it was an intense time but the you know like half an hour that I carved out for myself in the morning to to write and really listen to myself like just kept me sane um, but you know like it, like journaling can look like so many different things. Um, uh, you, you know, like there's another. Um, uh, you know, for myself and my own practice, I I think of it in terms of my my long form journaling, <laughs> which is more the kinds of things we've just been talking about. But uh, yeah. but I also have a short form journaling that I do um, most mornings, um, which might be five minutes, um, 10 minutes max. Um,
0: well, I'm curious, you know, a practice that Elizabeth Gilbert does, which I just love is she, she writes to love. She talks about how she dialogues with love every day that she, she writes down, she journals, she acts, she asks love questions. And then love has this funny way of responding back as she writes it out and says yeah. exactly what she needs to hear. And I'm curious, do you have some favorite prompts that you use like that? Do you have prompts that are like staples within your life or that you've seen are really powerful to introduce to people?
1: Um, I, I do, I mean, I, I have a number of um, favorite uh, prompts. For um, for different purposes. Sure.
0: Um, what about for you, it, like in your practice? Do you, yeah. Do you know, like, do um, consistently use.
1: Um, so the 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 one that I use most often and um, and frequently in combination with other prompts too. If I'm doing some of the long term long form journaling but um you know even just in the in the morning um like as I'm orienting toward my day um I don't know if I can even call this a prompt but it's a um like channeling what what I call my wise self Mm -hmm. um so sort of um and often I'll um I'll picture this wise self as kind of um an older, wiser, loving version of myself, you know, like a, a 90, 90-year-old 90 version of Elaine, um, and um, who's just like full of of love and compassion for me and so wise from her years of living. Um and I'll just, you know, like turn my pen over to her and say, what do you want to tell me? Um, and it's it's fabulous, like in response to if I've been writing about something else, um, you know, writing about a problem, writing about an, an opportunity, writing about a, a particular question. Inside Joybook right now, we're exploring um, the topic of engagement, of being more fully engaged um, mm. with our lives, with ourselves, with the things that we, we give our time and energy to. So like, if I've been writing about that topic, um, after I finish my write, just reading through it and saying, okay, wise self, really respond to this or give me a piece of advice. Like what feels most important? What do you want to say to me? Um, So that one I use a lot.
0: Um, Even just envisioning your wise self, I imagine like a creature who is like, glorious, beautiful, glowing, like I can't e- it's hard for me to even like imagine this woman because I think of you as being like so warm and wise just as you are so like a, an even wiser version <laughs> of Elaine I can't even begin to conceptualize so I'm uh-huh. I'm betting that in that dialogue then in like in writing out and really channeling that wise self she must have said some really profound things to you over the years yeah, yeah. are there any that you still carry yeah. with you that you're like
1: Oh, the, um, easy question. Um, like one of, you know, when, when you've been journaling for a long time, like there are certain entries that just like stand out in your memory as kind of these like earth shaking (laughs) experiences or, or kind of turning points in the process. And one of them for me, um, was, um, a, a conversation with my wise self um um, sort of modeled on like a a a checkup with the doctor so this was like a spiritual checkup um so I was I was going to visit my wise self um and uh this you know this older um version of myself and to get her prescription um Mm -hmm. for me in response to the things that felt like sort of the um kind of existential themes that I was wrestling with at that point which you know are tend to be the existential themes that show up again and again and again in our lives but yeah I like presented all this stuff to her and said okay give me your advice and you know like she gave me some advice but then like the thing that was just this gut punch from her um, was was not a piece of advice it was a question and the question was what are you investing in
0: Mm.
1: um and like that i mean it's like i can almost hear it as a voice it still comes comes back to me but especially in the weeks following that journal entry it was just like echoing in my head every day what are you investing in what are you investing in and um, you know to to let go of the things that really um, did not enrich me as a human being, or um, or what I can offer, um, or enrich my experience of my my very short and precious life. Um, there's this. Uh, I, I like to talk about this um, a lot. There's this uh concept image I ran across on a um on a blog one time, uh the improvised life, I think is the name of the of the blog. Um, and uh they were talking about um the image of a a vessel, like um a, a sacred vessel that like we each day is sort of a vessel like um you know this container for for our our time our energy attention our attention and you know like it's only going to hold so much and so what are you going to put in your bowl <laughs> um and and what do you like what do you need to take out in order to make room for that um and so it's, that's really what it I, I felt like, like I that spent, question was about
0: i feel like i spent a lot of my life in denial of that fact right there yeah right like like really yeah. in denial of the even just like the the truth that like your time and energy are limited like you really can't say yes to everything that you think that you should do and every important thing that you want all the people who whose perspective of you, you care about that you want them to see you doing those things, like you, mm-hmm. you can't say yes to everything. There's there's really an infinite list of of good things that you could do today. Yeah, of of ways you could impact people in a helpful way, of cool things that you could make that somebody would like. Um, probably of lots of different things that you could do that you would get some sort of enjoyment out of. And so from that space, like, what really transformed things for me was. <laughs> The framing of understanding that saying no is saying yes that when we say no to things yeah it's because we're saying no to them because we're saying yes to things that we value more yeah. I'm saying no to staying at the office from 5 p.m to 8 p.m because I'm saying yes to spending time with my family yeah I'm, I'm saying yeah. no to needing to be the first person to show up to work um at five in the morning because i'm saying yes to like prioritizing connecting with myself in the morning and like going through my routine and treating my inner world as as valuable and so that really reframed for me until i really saw no's as yeses i think i saw boundaries as like a dirty word and then Hmm. suddenly with that sort of reframe it's 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 helpful to frame boundaries that instead is like this helpful container for helping you to mm-hmm. create the sort mm-hmm. of vessel of your day that you want to have.
1: Yeah yeah absolutely um one of my one of my favorite books um from that was published last year is um Oliver Berkman's 4,000 weeks time management for mortals mm-hmm. um where he's, you know, like he's really engaging with these these ideas of time is time is limited. Like, <laughs> you've got, on average, if you're an average person, you've got about four thousand weeks to live, which is not long. Um,
0: Anytime I hear that fact, the first thing that washes over me is fear. <laughs> it's like, oh man, four thousand. This is like time is a ticking. Sounds like a lot, but also it's like not, not, a, um, not a whole lot. Yeah, uh,
1: you can respond that way. And, you know, like I, um, a number of my Joybook members are people who are like newly retired um, and, uh, and some of them struggling because like suddenly all that external structure is gone. Um, and I, you know, I now need to structure my own life. And at the same time, like I'm realizing that my life isn't going to go on forever, and and you know there is this feeling of of kind of panic for some some people of like, oh my gosh, I don't have a lot of time left. I better make it count. Um, I imagine. So you know, like that's that's one way you you can respond, but um, but you can also respond to that by, like, from sort of a mindfulness stance of saying, um, you know, like, life, life is short and precious. Let me really pay attention to it. And that impulse to try to cram more and more in, um, paradoxically, causes us to miss our lives. You know, it's so much harder to be... Um, like to, to notice your experiences, to notice your environment, to, um, to savor uh, things when you're, you know, trying to juggle six things at once. Um, and so I, like, I so agree with you that, um, that saying no to things is an, is an opening. It creates an opening, um, for us to, to more fully be present to our lives creates the space for that for that to happen (laughs) but actually my husband and i were just having a conversation this morning about um about stuff and clutter he and i have very different philosophies (laughs) where Um,
0: where is where do you fall
1: i i'm on the um let let go of things so that you can enjoy what's
0: left Um, Mm, uh, the minimalist side of things
1: uh, I wouldn't say minimalist, um, but, you know, like if you if you cram like so much stuff into your house, for me, like I, it makes it hard for me to see any of it, uh, you know. And, see and I've, I've seen
0: your, your house and it is beautiful the way that it's designed, <laughs> designed and it feels like, like it feels like a comforting place to step into, like wow, ah, so I I get that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you haven't seen my husband's
0: study, though, because that door uh-huh. stays closed.
1: <laughs> um, anyway, that's that's a different topic. But, but you I know, closer it's this idea head. of creating <laughs> enough space to yes. to actually see and experience things, whether it's things um, or or whether it's experiences. Um,
0: so, you know, I... I yeah. It was years ago that really I began to even like start thinking about my relationship to space and my environment. I spent so much time thinking about my mind and how I relate with my inner world Um, and then thinking about relationships and trust and community. Um, And so thinking about my inner world, thinking about other people's inner world, and thinking about that shared space between them but thinking about actually like our environment um i really hadn't like thought about until like Mm -hmm. i really deepened my mindfulness practice and then i could really feel the difference of like wow what it feels like to be in this room compared to this Mm -hmm. room and this Mm -hmm. is compared to this space and then this past summer i i went on a solo cross-country road trip like i was burnt (sighs) out i was exhausted i so disassociated so disconnected from myself and I have no idea where this message came from Elaine but some like I've never wanted to do this before in my life Um, Mm -hmm. but I got this very clear like message to like go on this cross-country road trip I was like I can't go on a road trip like I'm a counselor in a school I'm a behavior coach I have a private practice like I'm working like 100 hours a week I just started my own business like I can't it's an important time and then like this just kept calling at me and calling at me and the, I was like, okay, let me, let me look into this. What does this even look like? And the more I looked into it, the more right that it felt. Mm. And then, you know, I went on this journey and a lot of it was really uncertain of just going to these different cities, kind of exploring from there. The first thing I would do when I got to a city is park and walk around so I could feel the soul of a place from street view mm. and I could feel the difference you know, walking around and like seeing the different buildings and interacting with different people on the street, Mm -hmm. and just feeling the difference of these different spaces. And one of the things that I really noted on that trip was I kind of got this sense of heartbreak in a lot of different areas in our country and through a lot of cities. Mm -hmm. Um, And the place where I got heartbroken the most was after I would drive through this like Beautiful landscape with like hills or trees or rivers. And sometimes I'd even like park my car and just get out. And then I would start driving through a city or a town that had an Arby's, a McDonald's, a CBS, um, a Walmart. And these buildings, you know, that nothing against those businesses or like Mm -hmm. the services or products they provide, but there's something to be said about the psychological, energetic, and emotional impact of living in a community where architecture is not considered, Mm -hmm. where suddenly all of these buildings kind of look the same, um, that we're not really putting a value on like beauty and inspiration Mm -hmm. within Mm -hmm. our environmental context. And that, that, that does have an impact on us.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. I so agree. Um, I, I think it was, um, our conversation before you actually turned on the recording, but we were we were talking about what a um, what a gift it is, but sometimes also a challenge <laughs> to be able to do the kind of work that we do that that allows allows or requires us to grow as individuals at the same time oh, that we're you know offering things to other people. And I um, you know, I've so had that experience. Um, during Joybook, and the thing that's coming to to mind for me as you're talking about that and the impact of um, kind of energetically, psychologically of our um, physical environment on us, we did a um, so we we do um, kind of monthly themes inside Joybook and do journaling and and workshops around those different themes. And um, one theme that we did early last year was around clearing clutter. So um, you know, partly physical clutter, but also emotional, mental clutter too. Um, but the journaling that we did as part of that was um, exploring the idea of nurturing spaces and what are the um, what are the qualities of the spaces that nurture us individually um like what are what is our um relationship with the spaces that we inhabit most often particularly during the you know COVID lockdown thing where so many of us are just sort of trapped in our own homes like I have spent this office I'm sitting in right now I have spent a lot of time in this space (laughs) over the last two years um so like I ended up doing a dialogue with my with this space with this room, Mm. sort of personifying it and having a conversation um, with it and and asking for things and things like that. But
0: where I was going with this is- can Can I say that's such a beautiful perspective that I hadn't thought of or hadn't heard many people talking about quite yet, which is we can take the perspective that it is so frustrating that we are stuck in the same place day in and day out, having to work from home and all the frustrations that come with that. And sure, there may be other inconveniences and challenges than when we didn't necessarily work from home, if that's what we did. Uh, And we can be frustrated and we can be irritated. Um, And also we could see that, although it may not be exactly what is ideal for us, there's also a huge opportunity that, you can deepen your relationship with this space. Instead of just saying, man, I wish I could be somewhere else. Could we also say, well, this is what things are. And instead of wishing that my situation were different, what would I need to do with this space so that I could feel a deeper relationship with it? What if I just got... Into a deeper awareness of the fact that I am in relationship with this space, and could I get curious about what this space feels like, and how could I like deepen my comfort in this space? How could I make this space more fun or interesting? If I I feel like that's what I'm needing, Mm -hmm. and that's that's such a cool perspective. So thank you for sharing that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I I walked away from that journaling series. We did three different writes about our our spaces. Um, and, uh, I walked away from that with a new perspective on, um, decluttering and cleaning and tidying and, um, decorating and, you know, things like that as actually for me anyway, as acts of self-care. Um, because I, I became so attuned to how much my physical environment impacts my mood, my energy, my clarity of thought. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's important.
0: And, and really, I, I, it was like this really funny moment when I really like even woke up to even considering the fact that my environment had any sort of impact on me. It was years ago, and I was I was dating someone. And she like pointed something out. Like she was very in tune with her environment very specific about how she liked things to be set up she was very in tune with her body and like how environments impact her. And I had never thought about it. And I was like, wow, this does feel different. Like I had never thought about it this way.
1: Yeah. And I mean, even just like we're, we're talking sort of emotionally, energetically, how our spaces impact us. But even if you go at it at like kind of a, um like a a habits or behavioral level, Um, you know, like there, I I love this framework from the, um, the Heath brothers in their, their book, switch Uh, they, they talk about the elephant and the rider um, that the, the elephant is like our emotional um, self, the more kind of primitive brain. Um, And the rider is, as the more rational self, the you know, kind of prefrontal cortex planning, and um, and we like and we like to directing. think that the rider
0: is the one that's steering most of the time. Um, we the, like to think so. <laughs>
1: um, well, and yes, the rider is steering until something triggers the elephant, and then you know, like the elephant is bigger and stronger, and is like absolutely going to go wherever it wants to go. But the, the other element in this metaphor that they that they share is the path um, and that like the shape of the path can um, get us to unconsciously move in a certain direction. Um, and the path is our, our environment, whether that's our physical environment or our social environment. Um, and so what they, you know, kind of their, their shorthand for this framework is direct the rider. Um, so like. Clear instructions to the rider about, you know, where you're heading, how to get there. Um, Motivate the elephant. So kind of addressing those emotional things that drive us to act and shape the path. And sometimes shaping the path is, is the most powerful one because like we just act in certain ways without even thinking about it. Um, and you know, like if you're trying to build new habits, like shaping your environment in a way that um, you know su- supports the um, the be- behaviors that you're trying to embrace, and uh, and puts barriers between you and the the behaviors that you're trying to stop doing, like just even on that level, our environments have a big impact on us, um, and we don't you know, think a lot about, so often, like, when someone's trying to, um, you know, build a new habit or something, they're like, I need to get motivated, or I need to use willpower, but, like, maybe you don't, (laughs) Um, you know, like, maybe you you just need to kind of, like, clear out your kitchen so that there's no junk food available to you, or... Um, yeah, you know, like that old idea of like, put your credit card, freeze your credit card inside a bag of ice and in the, in the freezer so that you can't use it unless you really like take the time to slow down and defrost your credit card. <laughs> doesn't work anyway, anymore in the days of uh, cell phones where you can just do, oh, Apple Okay. <laughs>
0: Well, Lane, this has been so lovely uh, I have two closing questions for you okay um, one is harder than the other admittedly the, which is this one if you could say one thing to everyone in the world right now and know that they would really truly hear it what would you want to tell everyone Ah. Uh.
1: <laughs> um you are beautiful exactly as you are and you are worthy of living a life that you love that is what i would say and so stop and and listen to your own heart and your own soul um to to get the answers about um what what is that life that's um that's going to feel like it,
0: it lives up to that. Mm. Beautiful. Well, Elaine, if someone's listening and they are curious about your work or are curious about more resources for journaling or time management um, or want to know what this joy book is that we've been talking about, where might you direct them?
1: um yeah just heading over to my website is probably the the easiest way to do that and it's um, just joybook.life
0: cool all right well everybody thank you for listening elaine thank you so much for being here take care absolutely my pleasure i
1: love talking with you matt